It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Palast. And this is Dennis Bernstein with Greg Palast. You're listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoint's Pacifica Radio. Uh, and, well, Greg, it seems like things are heating up. It seems like somebody might indict uh, Trump. Uh, people are betting it's either Georgia or uh, New York. Interesting things coming out of that special grand jury. Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about, Greg. So let's start with uh, maybe we come in this way uh, into Georgia. Fair fight versus true the vote. What is that battle? Well, what are we looking okay, at? Okay, well, that's, that's, that's actually quite important because that could massively affect the 2024 election. Fair Fight is the organization, uh, the voting rights organization founded by Stacey Abrams. They sued true the vote. Now, for those who, you know, have been following my reports or saw my film Vigilante, these are the vigilantes. This is the group that challenged Back in uh, 2020, challenged 364,000 Georgians uh, their right to vote. Now, the judge ultimately ruled in their favor at the uh, well, not, not at that time. It didn't matter. But the important thing is that is that this uh, case is now going finally going to trial in federal court as a civil action to stop True the Vote from intimidating voters. And the form of intimidation that they use is principally wildly challenging voters. They use a national change of address list. Uh, We went through, as you know, they challenged 364,000 voters. We literally, when I say we, the Palace Investigative Fund team literally called thousands, sent letters to tens of thousands. We couldn't find a single illegal voter voting from that list. Not one. And in fact, True the Vote could not name, which is this right-wing group, which is backed yeah, by... Yeah, say a little bit more brand. about who they... Yeah, lay that out a little bit for people. So True the Vote is an organization which is uh, coming out of Texas, which has been re- mounting challenges all over the country, but they're principally focused to Georgia, one, because it's a swing state, and two, because Georgia law, unlike other states, says that any person can challenge an unlimited number of other voters. In this case, they challenged over a third of a million back in 2020. So this group, which is backed by the billionaire Bradley family of Wisconsin, and uh, Cleta Mitchell is uh, acts as, uh, as an attorney for them. She's one of Trump's lawyers. She was on that infamous call with, with the Secretary of State of Georgia that's now subject to criminal charges. So she is basically... You can call her Trump's consigliere, or depending on your viewpoint, we'll see what the grand jury has to say. She may be an indicted co-conspirator in trying to overturn the elections in Georgia. So going after True the Vote is very important because if these challenges continue, you know, Reverend Warnock only won by about a half percent of the vote, very small amount. And the, the reason is these massive challenges and also other attacks on voting and the voting rights law. So this will be going to trial, and this will have a big national effect because if these vigilante vote challenges uh, spread out of Georgia, it looks like about nine states at least have picked it up from Texas to Ohio, Iowa, Pennsylvania. These are swing states, Wisconsin. Wow. And um, that could overturn the 2024 election if these if there's an endorsement of this mass challenge of voters by you know non government actors you're hearing 
There, Greg Palast, I'm Dennis Bernstein. This is the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Uh, we are live today in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And, uh, well, all right, let's talk about that person who is sort of considered a hero in the mainstream corporate press. This is, uh, let's call this battle Fair Fight versus Raffenspurge. Isn't he the hero? Isn't he the one that turned back the clock on He's Trump, the one that by the way? And there, we right. should also mention there's another uh, phone call. But go on. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. So Fair Fight also sued uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. He's the guy who's considered a big hero. He's on 60 Minutes and MSNBC saying how he stood down Trump. But what they're forgetting is that it was Raffensperger with his uh, with the guy who appointed him, Governor Brian Kemp. When I say appointed, uh, you know, he, Raffensperger ran on his own uh, after uh, Kemp was Secretary of State. He was chosen by Kemp that these two came up with this SB202, or Jim Crow 2.0, as it's called by the NAACP, a vicious attack on voting rights. And one of the things that there was a case, very important, the Raffensperger case, just like these vigilantes attacked the voter rolls, this is more dangerous because this is the state itself. And the state removed, the state wrongly removed 340,000 voters. 340,000 voters are wrongly removed purge from the voter rolls, using the same cockamamie system used by True the Vote, which the judge says is nonsense. But in the case of the state, he said, well, if the state wants to do it, under the Supreme Court rulings, since the basically the defenestration of the Voting Rights Act, the judge said they could do it. But he, he thought that an additional purge of voters in 2019, 22,000 voters, the judge said that was so off the wall, he was going to reverse it. Now, that number is very important. 22,000 voters were put back on the voter rolls because of an action by Fair Fight. And I should mention that the Palace Investigative Fund experts advised on that case with Fair Fight. 22,000 votes were saved before the 20 election. Biden only won that state by 11,000 votes. If it wasn't for the Fair Fight action case, Biden would not have been elected. That simple. But, you know, on the other hand, with the current Supreme Court we have, the judges are basically saying there's very little that they can do. But I would say something that the judge, quote the judge, because Raffensperger and Kemp are seen as great heroes standing up against the racist vote suppression tactics of Donald Trump. It's, it's all nonsense. The court ruled that, this is a quote, quote, Governor Kemp's campaign speech is evidence of racial appeals to voters, end quote which is evidence of the base of violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. In other words, the judge ruled that Kemp's campaign statements were deliberately racist and meant to bend the election through racist appeals. You know, I, and that's, that's where your film is so poignant in the context of Kemp yeah. and his familia. So this this ruling happens with a governor who has a history, right? I mean, can you do the 30-second yes, version and of the history? Things, so again, we have to get away from Kemp the hero, the guy who um, stood up to Trump. Yes, there's internal battles within the Republican Party. Kemp wants to run for president. The Wall Street Journal has already endorsed him for president. Um, what we, you know, effectively running several op-eds saying he would be the best candidate. And he probably would be. Because he's gotten so much stroking from even outlets like MSNBC or the New York Times and 60 Minutes that he stood up to Trump. He's standing up to Trump from the right, 
not because he's trying to protect voters. He's First of all, he's trying to protect himself and stay out of prison. He sees what's happening to Trump. In other words, if he had given in to Trump, they'd be breaking rocks on a chain game together. And, you know, uh, Kemp is too smart uh, for that. Uh, but this does not – it's important to understand that he's no hero. He is absolutely the ringleader of these efforts to, you know, to basically ethnically cleanse the voter rolls. And his methods in Georgia are being used nationwide. That's very, very important. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's And, and his history – and, and also, he's the guy who's a point man with Ron DeSantis of Florida against what they call critical race theory. What they really mean is, let's not talk about history. And right. in the case of Absolutely. Kemp, it's because his family were the first, uh, was the first family to bring enslaved Africans to Georgia. And he doesn't want that taught in uh, and you can lose your job as a teacher if you teach that. I, I can't imagine why he would be ashamed of that background. Well, you know, anyway, we're speaking. Yes, this is. Uh, All right, let, yes, let's yes, let's yes, move yes, it yes, along. Yes. Let's move it along. Yes. Okay, so you're listening to Flash. You're listening to uh, the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints. Let's get to the grand jury in Atlanta. We've got the big mouth foreman Emily Kors, who I find extremely interesting. Uh, so to bring us up to speed, how you see that case, and you think that's where the first indictment is. Going to come, or is New York going to beat them, beat her to the poll? Uh, to oh, the, uh, it's, uh, I would say if, if anything's going to happen, we'll get to New York, but I think they'll be moving faster because of the process. It's a very complex process in in Georgia. You, we had a grand jury uh, impaneled uh, at the request of Fannie Willis, the district attorney in Atlanta, but she had a, the way that Georgia law works, she has to have a special grand jury investigate, make recommendations for an indictment. Then they have to, then Willis has to decide, she said in May, whether to ask for another grand jury, which would actually bring the indictments. I think that that's about 102% certain that she'll look for a grand, another grand jury to actually indict people. Now, the question is, who will she indict? Two things. Uh, Emily Kors, who's the well, we, yeah, the big mouth four woman who didn't help anyone by going out in public and making TV appearances. But you know, welcome to uh, the uh, celebrity America. Right? That's what everyone wants. And she could have jeopardized the case by saying too much about the evidence. It could have, but she didn't really. She just says a bunch of hints. She said, as to the big name, quote. She said, as to the big name, there's no shock there. No, well, yeah. frankly, I can't, I don't know what that means. She did say, obviously, we know from the little bit, the very little bit that's been released by the judge, uh, that they recommended perjury charges. A lot of people have mentioned Giuliani, but we can assume that Giuliani did nothing but take the Fifth Amendment. So he would not have perjured himself because I'm sure he had just taken the Fifth Amendment all day long. Uh, so we don't know who they're citing for perjury or who may be um, you know, on the hook for that. The other is that um, they, they said that there will be a whole bunch of people that they recommended indictment, and that suggests that uh, John Eastman's crowd, John Eastman was the attorney who told Trump we can overturn the election using the 12th Amendment, almost worked, but that meant that you had to have choose electors, and they needed Mike Pence to choose a slate of electors from Georgia, which were in fact not elected because obviously Biden's electors were elected. And they had another problem, is that a lot of the Georgia Republicans who were Trump delegates did not want to sign a petition saying that they had won because 
that's uh, wire fraud, perjury, possibly sedition. <laughs> it, it breaks a lot of laws to say that you want. And, an and this is where the second phone call comes in, right, Greg? This is oh, where. Now there's a second phone call. So we had the phone call, the infamous phone call to the Secretary of State Raffensperger. And again, he's no hero, but he refused to accept, he would not go along with, with uh, Trump's demand to, quote, find 11,000 votes. Uh, but there's now a new tape, a tape with David Ralston. Uh, now, Ralston was the, uh, was the Georgia House Speaker. Now, he passed away recently. Uh, he's, no, he's a very conservative, very right-wing character, really beholden to Brian Kemp. And Trump called him. There's a tape of it. We haven't heard the tape. We don't know what's on the tape, except apparently he's, uh, he's told Ralston to demand a, um, you know, from the secondary notes that Ralston made to others, that Trump had demanded that he call a special session of the Georgia legislature to overturn the uh, certification of Biden's victory in Georgia. And Ralston <laughs> Ralston also, again, he's a very conservative guy. He is, uh, he's, you know, shepherded through terribly racist laws. There's no other way to put it. But he, you know, he does, again, he doesn't want to break rocks on a chain gang. And, uh, and also, you know, as he pointed out, you know, Kemp wouldn't go along with this. So he wasn't going to call an extra session of the, of the House. He said there's just no, literally no authority in Georgia law. So he basically ducked out. The question is, was the call, because we don't have the tape yet, was the call from Trump a direct, did Trump really know? And this is one of the problems that any prosecutor is going to have in trying to indict Trump. What was Trump's state of mind? What was his intent? If he really believed Eastman's plan that it could work, that he was in fact, right. if he believed that he was cheated and he believed that, that Eastman's plan would work, it's not clear to me how you get an indictment or how you get a conviction out of that. But we'll see. We don't have all the evidence. Then uh, we go, we run off to New York. Alvin Bragg, who's the Manhattan DA, is almost certainly that's I think he's going to win the uh, <laughs> he's going to win the speed contest to, for first indictments. He's been speaking with Michael Cohn, who was convicted of making of paying off the uh, Stormy Daniels, the uh, porn star who uh, banged Mr. Trump and paying her off for her silence. He went to prison for that. And he's right. not too happy about that. And so he says, look, I went to prison for this, but I did it for Donald Trump. Why isn't he in the can? So he's been pressing Bragg to say, if I was convicted of this crime, then certainly the guy did it for, with his full knowledge, making the payments, should also go to prison. And uh, so I expect that Bragg will uh, bring an indictment on Trump for that. Part of that is, by the way, because people are upset that Bragg canned a case brought by his predecessor, Cyrus Vance, who was about to bring an indictment against Trump for uh, basically uh, wire and bank fraud for falsifying documents in New York to the banks and insurers. Yeah, and, real charges. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's serious stuff. But now we get to another case because so Bragg had dropped that case to a lot of disagreement. The two prosecutors that that uh, were working on the case for you know for years resigned in protest. Uh, they said this. We have one a of them wrote a case. book, right, and attacked him in public. Yeah. 
Yeah, and attack Bragg. So Bragg, that's why I think, very frankly, I think that's why Bragg suddenly turned around and said, because remember, he has to get elected to the uh, DA's position. So that's why I think he turned around and picked up the Stormy Daniels case, which has been, you know, I know that Michael Cohen has been banging on his door, literally, literally banging on his door for um, two years. Uh, So I think he decided to pick up that case because of the political heat. But then we get Letitia James. She's the New York Attorney General who um, Trump calls a racist. Could it be because she's black? Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm just guessing. I mean, I don't know. I can't reach into Agent Orange's mind, but uh, he called her um, a racist. He also called Bragg a racist. He's African-American as well. Letitia Brown has picked up the case about the faked finance documents. Now, she, because of her... It's hard. She can't bring that that uh, criminal action. She has to bring a civil action. That means no jail time. But she is asking that Donald Trump, Donnie Jr., Ivanka, and uh, I'm not sure if she. I have to look up whether she included Jared in that. But but uh, she's saying she basically wants to kick them out of New York. That they can't do business in New York, which is of course where their uh, where their right. operations are based. So they literally the Trumps, the whole Trump criminal family gang would be barred from uh, New York. Well, listen, we're, and, we're just about out of time, but I have to say, okay. first of all, um, the uh, Alvin Bragg thing sort of reminds me of like a good figure skating routine, you know, sort of starts off your skating forward uh, and then you're skating backwards in a different direction. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, but I, I'm going to, let me say it this way. You know, you, you know when somebody starts off a discussion with this. Anybody who knows anything about anything knows this. So I don't usually say that. But I'm going to say it now. I want to get your reaction. Anybody who knows anything about anything knows the longer you wait to do a prosecution and the closer it gets to an election, the more difficult, the more complicated, the more ways that the people you want to prosecute can uh, sort of jump out. Don't you think the attorney general of the United States screwed up big time? Well, the question is... They is he a coward? Had, they, am, I, am I overstating? Well, I mean, seriously, this I, is a I, long I time with all those charges. I do know that he did, uh, and there are two other cases, by the way. Uh, Garland Merrick did did bring in a special prosecutor to look at whether Trump deliberately stiffed the National Archives in um, hiding the fact that he had taken confidential documents, which, by the way, still can't be found, which could be a violation of the Espionage Act. That's no small thing. So, uh, but, you know, again, waiting... It, it, there is a problem because there is a, a, a Department of um, Justice memo which says you cannot indict, you should not indict someone running for president. And I think that, you know, that it should be avoided at all costs. I think that's one of the reasons why Trump, now I'm speculating, I've got to be careful here, but why Trump announced very early is by saying, by officially making himself a candidate, right. it's legally more difficult to indict him because the courts reasonably want to avoid affecting an election. But I look at it this way. Shouldn't people know about any criminal activity by a candidate? That's what we have courts for, to determine those things. And, of course, there's yes. a January 6th hearing review, which could ultimately still bring in Donald Trump for failing to, uh, in his fiduci- in his executive authority, you know, that's Pence's 
Pence is actually kind of lobbying for it, that uh, Trump failed to act. It was mal- malfeasance to the point of criminality on January 6th. All right. Well, that's Greg Palace. This is the Election Crimes Bulletin. Greg, in the near future, you and I are going to have mm-hmm. to get together on the air for a poetry reading. What do you think? I think we can do that if you're up to that. That doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> I better work on my yeah. poetry before we do that. <laughs> you got to get to work on that. Okay. Let's do All it. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there uh, for now. Uh, that's Greg Palace again, the Election Crimes Bulletin. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio.